I'm Chaplain Jacob Scott of the Oregon National Guard. This is the Hope in the Trenches podcast. We're going forward. I'll sit down for conversations with people who offer interesting and informative perspectives on finding strength for life and work in the trenches and even improving our spiritual posture. Whether you feel like you're under heavy bombardment or ready to go over the top toward a new objective, it's good to be with you. So our guest today is Sergeant Wyatt Walls. Sergeant Walls is a 13 Fox forward observer with DET-1, Detachment 1, Headquarters and Headquarters Battery, 2nd Battalion of the 218th Field Artillery Regiment, uh, drilling here in Salem, Oregon. In 2021, then Specialist Walls placed first in the Oregon Army National Guard's Best Warrior Competition out at Camp Rylea. He then went on to win the regional competition and advanced to the Army National Guard's Best Warrior Competition. He was one of the top performers there as well, which earned him a spot on the Army National Guard's team for the Army's Best Squad competition. We're going to let certain walls tell that story, too. Also joining us this morning, or today, whenever you're listening, is Command Sergeant Major Lee Smith, who's now the interim Command Senior Enlisted Leader for the Oregon National Guard. Sergeant Major, always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chaplain. Well, hey, Sergeant Walls, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. Good, good. Well, so uh, speaking of the Sergeant Major of the Army, uh, Sergeant Major Grinston, uh, I saw an AFN commercial, and he said he never asks soldiers where they're from, because that's like a one or two word answer. Um, And we're all we're a lot more complicated than that. And there's always a story with how we ended up in the Army and and how we got to be where where we are. So, Sergeant Wells, how did did you grow up and why did you decide to join the National Guard? So I grew up as pretty normal. Um, I'm from Albany, Oregon, and I just, I just, uh, I played sports a lot as a kid. I never really excelled at any of them, but I did all of them. So, you know, I tried basketball, wasn't great at that. Baseball, wasn't great at that. Played football for probably like 12 years, wasn't great at it either. Um, But wrestling in high school, that was probably one where I was like, okay, this is like starting to make more sense to me. So, but my, all through that, my parents never, um, let me quit. They always like instilled, like if you start something, like you have to finish it. So, cause there would always be kids who are way more athletically gifted, stuff like that. And they'd start the season and then they couldn't be quarterback. And then their parents were like, well, I don't want him to play then if he's going to be, you know, in the outfield or something, a position that, you know, an eight-year-old playing t-ball isn't going to get any like time or attention so they would pull them out but like i always stuck it out throughout the season so yeah i grew up with that work ethic instilled to me early on i mean from my grandparents down to even my parents is always if you're going to start something do it to your best and, and finish strong so i grew up working hard i was always creative um that sort of stuff uh the National Guard, I kind of have an interesting story on how I joined the National Guard. I think most people, they're kind of interested in the military at some point as a young kid. Mm-hmm. They had a relative serve. My grandfather served in Vietnam, but that wasn't a huge influence on my life. None of my immediate family really served either. And it wasn't on my radar whatsoever. Funny enough, when I was, I think, in third grade, I did write an essay that I would serve in the military, but that was probably the last time I thought about it until I was 19. 
And I was sitting in a hotel room scrolling through Facebook and I saw an ad for the Oregon National Guard, the $20,000 bonus. And I was like, why not? <laughs> so I took the ASVAB that weekend in the hotel lobby on a computer and then came back from vacation, went to MEPS and enlisted like in a week. Just, just fast. I was like, at that time in my life, I was kind of seeking more personal development and like mm -hmm. professional growth. I knew I was going to be finishing school soon and kind of wanted something else to break it up before I just jumped into the, the workforce. So I figured basic training, AIT, military experience would be a good, a good break from just like working, going to school in between that. So. What did your parents think when you joined and shipped that quickly? Uh, <laughs> they, they were kind of, my mom was like, why? Like, this has never been uh, on your mind before. Like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. She was like, why? I was like, because I want to. They're like, you don't want to go to, like, you're finishing, I was finishing my associate's degree. It's like, you don't want to, like, go to school. You don't have, like, any student debt. And I was like, yeah, it's just something I want to do. And that was enough. Even in basic training, you know, everybody has mo most of the time they have far more interesting stories on like why they join. And I was like, I saw a Facebook ad and just was like, why not? I, I'm sure I'm sure I'll learn something. Another thing too is I've talked to a lot of people who are my parents' age, and most men all, always say that they wish they would have served in the military at some capacity. Yeah. So. Stuff like that, trying to learn from other people's regrets. You know, just like everyone my parents' age also says they wish they would have never sold their, like, first car, that, like, old classic car that's now worth $50,000. Yeah, yeah. So I never did that either. So trying to learn from other people's regrets and not necessarily mistakes, but stuff they wish they would have learned from. So I was like, it's, I mean, I, I felt like it was a no-brainer for me, so... That's a really interesting observation because I, I guess I'm probably about your parents' age, but I, I, I have noticed that too. I, I hear quite often people who say, well, I wish I would have joined or the the reason why they didn't think about joining the military when they were younger. It, they look back on it and they're like, oh, that was that was not a very good reason not yeah, to do I it. I hear that a lot. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, too, people can serve their community and their country and the, and the world in lots of different ways. You don't have to do it by serving the military, but... I, th I think that's a really important observation that that serving in the military really it it kind of it scratches an itch for people. Definitely, especially that time from you graduate high school and then like your young twenties. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can kind of spin your wheels a little bit. I did for like a year and a half, two years after I graduated high school. I didn't really like do much. I was just kind of going to school, and I didn't really have like. Health and like fitness wasn't a huge thing for me, um, but then I started getting into like martial arts and jujitsu, and then like it's a switch like flipped, and then I ended up enlisting probably only nine months after I started doing that. So it was like I went zero to a hundred. It was like yeah. now like give me every challenge like I can think of, and that was that became more of my motivation. Sure, just seeking like those challenges, personal professional growth stuff like that the things that would push you and and, and stretch you something and it's something that's got uh, that's meat that has meaning and serves an important purpose in in, in society we, we don't usually articulate it that way but i think that's kind of that itch that, that yeah. that's serving in the militaries hey good for you for having that i mean or realizing that's what you should be doing and or you know good on your parents and your grandparents to 
instilling that in you because there's so many folks today that your age who probably don't have that kind of drive. Definitely. So good for you for recognizing that and doing it. Curious though, did, did you know anything else about the Oregon Guard prior to joining or it was just that ad? Pretty much, I my relationship with the Oregon Guard was when we would have wrestling tournaments. We would like borrow mats from the armory, oh. and uh, that was and see the trailer and stuff, and you know see a couple of recruiters at our school. And we, I think one time, uh, now Sergeant Major Stimson took us out to Camp Adair, our wrestling team, and we were, like paintballing. So I, I remembered that. Okay. Um, but that was kind of it. I did have an uncle who he's now retired from the Nevada National Guard. So I talked to him. I had like one phone call with him before I enlisted and just kind of talked about stuff. And he was able to offer me like some insight and some knowledge. But even then, like, I think it's hard to understand like everything until you're in. So a lot of the stuff he was saying, I probably didn't quite understand, yeah, but I knew it was something I was going to do. No one was really going to like tell me otherwise. Right. What yeah. made you choose the guard over active duty? Uh, I always had aspirations of being like a business owner. So I just felt that the guard was the, that that was uh, the best option for me to pursue those um, goals and desires while also doing the military too, instead of going active duty and then putting that on, on pause. Cause that's kind of where I was, I was working towards anyways. And the seven month break in TRADOC wasn't, didn't set me behind too far. Right. So. So did you look at that signing bonus as seed money for a business? Were you thinking about Definitely. that or were you just looking Definitely. at the big truck that you, uh, that you wanted? No, I actually, I, yeah, I used my bonus pretty much to like get my business up and running. So there's a lot of like upfront costs when it just comes to like licensing fees, stuff like that. So I pretty much like had the money in hand to pay for all of it. So I was, I got started pretty quick. So I was able to use that money to get my contractor's license and pay for, you know, my first year of insurance and a bond and buy a trailer with my bonus, which was perfect. Oh, so yeah. yeah that's I, awesome i don't know if i well i know i would not have made uh a forward thinking decision with, <laughs> with 20 grand when i was 19. So. no i yeah. wouldn't have either i don't yeah. think well so how, how long have you been in the guard now three years so three years. in september i hit three years Okay, and well, and the last year of that has been pretty exciting. Definitely, you have had quite a year in the guard because we were talking about this as we walked up the steps this this morning. That uh, you had no idea how long this best warrior experience was going to last because it started with with the state's best warrior competition, and and then as you advanced from one level to the next, um, it, it's it's been about a year, hasn't it? Yeah, al almost much. a year. Well, now, was the best warrior competition something that you sought out, or were you asked to compete, or were you voluntold <laughs> that you need to be at Camp Riley? No, so it was, so when I was enlisting, my recruiter had mentioned something because my uncle had said, make sure you get everything 
that you want in your contract. So I took that as like, this was going to be like a NFL contract negotiation, <laughs> make sure they got all the schools and everything I want in the contract. He was like, listen, like, you know, you haven't done anything for the guard yet. You can't get like all these schools, like in your enlistment contract. He's like, but if you get soldier of the year, you can. So then I remember that in like the back of my mind. And then I think we were doing an ACFT at Camp Withacombe and like I was coming around like the second mile and I heard someone say like who are we going to send the best warrior this year I was like why don't we send walls and I was like all right yeah perfect I was like that's I was like I remember hearing about this so that was kind of all right this is like my opportunity to to go that extra mile and seek out those those challenges well so I, right they say there's two types of people there are the people that can get ready you know when given enough time right and the people that stay ready how much time when you first heard them talking about this warrior how much time did you have to get ready um i had i had quite a bit of time i was getting ready for uh another competition so like the physical fitness part wasn't really a problem for the state best warrior i was pretty fit at the time um but there's a lot of stuff you just have to study there's yeah, there's an unlimited amount of information that's beneficial to know going into these competitions. And you can kind of get swamped trying to learn everything. Sure. So just hitting the 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 big checking the big boxes, um, like the weapons disassembly, you know, rucking, marksmanship. I focused on that stuff, I think, at the early levels and then built upon those skills for the rest of competitions. But yeah, I had quite a bit of um of time to to train and definitely it's just like a lot of hitting the books and the flashcards like studying like the uh, expert soldier badge book because a lot of the, the events are pretty similar to stuff you would do mm-hmm. for that badge so just reading the the criteria and how strict things are going to be graded but yeah well sure now sort of major from Throughout your career at various levels, probably from the, the company or maybe in the platoon on up to being the, the state command sergeant major, uh, what do you what do you tell soldiers that are getting ready for a competition like this? What do they kind of what it, what were you encouraging them to know or to do to be ready for something like this? Uh, generally, I would stick with the know your ten level book i mean you know the soldiers book the uh, the, i don't know if they still hand them out in basic training or not but they uh the 10 level soldier book uh if you know that book if you can just read that book and memorize all the tasks that are in there at the 10 level that's that's the junior level you will be safe at you'll be good to go at the competition so Mm -hmm. um that's generally what i say and then make sure you physically fit and you can ruck march well, even more broadly speaking, not just for a competition. That's, that's just good that's soldiering. Yeah, yeah. yeah cause, well, I've heard a bunch of special operations soldiers just say, look, what, what makes us different is the brilliance at the basics. Oh, absolutely. If you can do the, uh, the basic soldiering skills really well, if you know how to land nav and you know how to ruck march and you're physically fit, the rest of it will probably take care of itself, but you got to know the basics. So read that book. I used to tell my son that right before he went to boot camp. I'm like, hey, here's this book. This is mine from basic training back in 1994. <laughs> you know, read this, ask questions, let's study it. And, uh, you know, if you know these basics, you'll do really well in basic training. So um, that's generally what I say. But have on that, to, for 
the listeners who might not understand these competitions or know what's going on, just kind of give us a rundown on what you and your uh, fellow competitors took on during the state and maybe the regional competition. Definitely. So, like you said, Sergeant Major, those uh, 10 level skills, call for fire, uh, and pulling hand grenades. I'm trying to think of a few more. Uh, basic first aid. Of course, we do a fitness assessment, so an ACFT-style event, and then uh, quite a bit of marksmanship, then rucking. You can probably expect to ruck to every event and then also have a ruck for an event. So that's the big one, is just making sure you can stay in the competition because each event gets harder and harder just because you're putting on miles in between each event. And then at most competitions, the culminating event is something like a ruck. Um, regionals, we did we did combatives also. We did definitely a lot of marksmanship at, at regionals too. But yeah, just knowing all the basic soldiering stuff, so how to set up a radio, do land navigation. Um, a few competitions, we did IED lanes, so just sort of like situational awareness. It's a lot of just the basics, but they're going to stress you to where the basics become challenging. Mm -hmm. But land navigation, I know once we got to the best squad level, every event you had to navigate to the event. So if you don't have good land navigation skills, you don't even have a chance at competing because you won't get to the event. Mm -hmm. So just getting those basics. Almost everything you learn and do in basic training you're going to do that over the course of four days. So that's kind of how I would summarize it yeah. to people. It's just those those basic warrior skills and then who's the best and who just can gut it out the longest. Yeah. Now, I don't want people to get intimidated by a competition <laughs> like this either because that's everything that you listed is stuff that any soldier or airman can do and anybody can get better at definitely well and like you said um when you get tired you know even the basics become more challenging i mean that's a good metaphor for life too right yes. you know when when you're tired and stressed every everything gets 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 tough but this is all stuff that anybody can get better at so was there was there anything when you got to the competition that you thought man i should have better prepared for this or um, maybe I spent too much time doing that, anything like that? Definitely. So, yeah, funny story. At the state one, the hand grenade lanes, I, uh, so I didn't know. That's another thing. You're going to be pretty much kept in the dark on what event you're going to be doing. So you'll pretty much find out what the event is when you step up to participate in the event. So the hand grenade one, we get there and I get handed two hand grenades and they're like, follow me. So they're, they're running and they'd have you do like an exercise before you like employ the grenades. So it'd be like 15 burpees, stuff like that. So I'm like knocking out these exercises and then just throwing the grenades. Like all of them are landing on target and I'm sprinting to the next station doing 20 push-ups, And I think I finished the lane in like two minutes. 
and my sponsor who was there, I get done and I'm like, man, I crushed that. He was like, no, you didn't. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, every grenade landed on target and I finished in like two minutes. And he was like, you didn't take cover once. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> I was like, I didn't throw hand grenades since basic. And I was so focused on like everything else. I yeah. don't I don't even think I brushed through like the hand grenades, like criteria in like the, the warrior skills level one book. And it just totally spaced my mind. I was like, oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. First priority work is always yeah right. just the basics yeah. like yeah. and now i'm like oh, of course and then i see everyone else go through it and i'm like i'm the only one who didn't take cover I'm like wow <laughs> so stuff like that yeah well you recovered i did yeah. i did i i took cover at every competition since that oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> hard to forget what was uh what were some of your favorite events from the state and regional competition uh the ruck is always fun, especially when you're. Hold on, you're hold on, say, say that again. Yeah, the ruck is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes you just have to like trick yourself in that. Well, always too. If it is the culminating event, like you have nothing else to lose. Just, sure. I mean, for go for it. Yeah. So, definitely the marksmanship. I I did a shooting sports through 4H when I was younger, and that was something I excelled at. But then I didn't. I kind of put down like marksmanship until I went to basic training. So for like three years, I probably didn't shoot a firearm and then went to basic training. Yeah. And I shot 40 out of 40 with iron sights, so like the first day at the range. And I was like, I guess I'm still pretty good at this. So marksmanship is always fun, especially because sometimes uh, we don't get, especially uh, being a 13 Fox, like fire support, we're not you know, training and qualifying on like two forties and stuff on our weekend drill. So at the competitions, there's a lot of opportunities to, to get on some firearms that you don't always get to shoot like the Mark 19 or the 50 or an AT4. So those opportunities are there to, to get your hands on some, some pretty cool assets that the army has and just to see what they're capable of. Uh, Flying around in a Blackhawk never gets old. No, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, I've been doing this for almost thirty years. I don't think anybody can complain about that. I'm trying to think what else regionals when we did combatives that was very fun because I was like, oh, this is like, I was like, this is my event right here. I was like, say this is your uh, yeah, thing, jujitsu. Yep. Yep. So I was very excited about that. I was like, oh, this is like my opportunity to like really like set myself up apart from the competition and, and literally choke people out yeah definitely <laughs> yeah because i would say i was not the most intimidating figure amongst most of the competitors at the competition so even for the spectators it'd be like oh my gosh like <laughs> this is kind of unexpected but i would say i mean out of all the events probably the most fun thing is just meeting and hanging out with the other competitors and you make memories to last a lifetime and friends. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty tight with the guys from the national competition and the in the best squad competition. I'd say you probably built some friendship for life on that one. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I imagine it's yeah those experiences mm -hmm. going through a, a grueling physical and mental event like that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely forges some some strong relationships. Yeah. yeah, those are the same thing. I mean high school wrestling like you know but the like you need people to get through it yeah, yeah it's you can't do it alone right. so yeah that's really cool uh so the sergeant major of the army's best squad competition 
that was a little bit different format from our state competition and the regional competition. Uh, and I was not even allowed to attend as a state sergeant major. So tell us about that one. What was that like? Yeah, so the uh, this was the first ever best squad competition too. So there was no uh, picking a previous competitor's brain on what to expect. Mm. And we kind of were just, well, let's make sure we're really good at the stuff we've already been doing, but we're able to do it as a team. So I think a lot of our train up for it we spent was like land navigating in like a, in a team element of five people using like hand and arm signals, stuff like that. That's also in your uh, Warrior Skill Level 1 book. So once again, the, the basics are everything. So we did a lot of land navigation and moving as a team in battle drills. Because you'll, you'll do battle drills and stuff at the individual competitions, but it becomes a little bit more detailed when you have other people working with you, and just the communication. Yeah. So building those almost like standard operating procedures amongst your team, stuff like that. So yeah, we really didn't know too much what to expect. We basically, we found out that the first three days would be individual competition and then the last three would be the squad competition but we didn't know what that was going to look like like if they were going to do a best warrior competition for three days and then the last three a similar competition but now you're with your team and then take like an accumulative score based off like who's the best individuals from each team were Mm -hmm. so we, we really didn't know what to expect at all I think we just expected a lot of land navigation and battle drills. And other than that, we just stayed on top of what we already did, marksmanship and and whatnot. That's another thing. The guard is, I think a lot of people underestimate the guard. Uh, we, we crushed basically every marksmanship event that we did. I mean, we have nice. we had team members from Wyoming and Nebraska, so... They can shoot whenever, <laughs> you know. They're they're getting more range time than probably yep. anybody. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. It was a change of pace. So I guess when we did get there, we found out the individual aspect, the individual competition aspect was going to be the E three B, which is your expert infantry badge, expert soldier badge, and expert field medic badge. So that right there is a challenge in itself, showing up and them putting the badge in front of you and being like, but you have three days and zero preparation. Like, try and get it. So then Hurricane Ian also came through at the same time. So it was. Oh, exciting. So (laughs) our first day, yeah. So our first day, we did the the fitness assessment portion of those, like, badges. And then we went to – they had an area set up where we'd start doing the, the medical lanes. And we all went – we ended up getting taken back to the barracks at probably 1,300 because they wanted all the cadre and stuff to go home and be with their families and ride out the storm. So now our three days to complete a week-long – task is now cut down to two wow. so we went back out the the next day and we had to do all the uh, 
the medical and the weapon lanes in the same day. So that's 20 events. And the criteria for the the expert soldier badge, expert infantry badge, they're they're very strict. Oh, yeah. And if usually I think you get a two week train up. And so they would give you time to practice each one. But if you spend too much time, you'll run into the problem I did. You spend too much time training for each one. You're going to be there all day. And so I was. I think I was the last person standing for the expert soldier badge. And I think I no-goed my last event at like 7 in the morning after getting there at 6 in the morning. So, wow. Wow. yeah. So that was definitely a challenge. I think there was three people who got their expert infantry men badge, which is pretty impressive to to get it with because it's usually a 10 percent success rate on the eib probably on the same with the soldier badge as well yeah definitely so it was was really impressive and and cool for to see them like get it at that level but i know for us we were we were pretty motivated like oh man this is one of those things that is uh it's kind of hard to come by for for us and now we got like an opportunity to get it at yeah. the best squad competition. It's a uh, it'd be it was pretty special. So that so we finished that up, and uh, the last event for the individual competition was a twelve mile ruck march, and uh, in full kit. You just, sometimes I I think people expect like the ruck. Oh, it's only thirty five pounds. You know, we're not gonna have anything else, but. For this one, we were going to the field for the best squad competition right after. So they're like, your ruck has to weigh 35 pounds minimum. But there was no way to even like have it weigh 35 pounds because you got everything you need to go to the field in it. Sure. And because we're not going back to the barracks to get anything. So it's like whatever you think you need for all the time in the field, like you better, you got to keep it on you. But, you know, you've also got to do this ruck in the morning. So we did the 12 mile ruck and then we went straight to the uh the iwq range the weapons qualification range and then we started rucking again so the (laughs) ruck was not the culminating event at this competition the ruck was kind of just the beginning of the competition (laughs) so i think that was definitely a challenge for a lot of people um just the amount of miles we'd put on at the up at the highest level of these competitions is right. is stuff people just aren't used to. So, the best squad competition. Once we got into the squad section of things, it was a lot of uh, patrolling and land navigation. And pretty much every movement was six to seven kilometers, and your events would be at those points. So I think the first day when we went out to the field, they had us. Well, so they also implemented events where they would show you how to do something and then you'd have to remember that and then you'd do it the next day, which was pretty cool because they did like a lot of people like the command teams that were there, like Medcom or Cyber, they've probably never like hung mortar rounds before. So there was kind of stuff like that where it was like, here's an event, but also like, you know. We're rewarding you guys. Like yeah. we still want this to be fun. So yeah. we call for fire. That was that was in there. There wasn't a whole lot of marksmanship. But yeah. So the second day, we we did a movement. There also a lot of troop leading procedures. So uh, you know, receiving a warning order. You know, creating an operation order. 
that sort of stuff. And that was another thing we we really trained on being at the Warrior Training Center where they do RTAC and everything. That's something me, I being pretty new, you know, I'd never done any of that stuff before. So we were able to go up to the training base where they do RTAC or the Ranger Training Assessment course and just pick the brains of the, the Ranger instructors and get really spun up on that. So I think we kind of did too much actually at the competition because I think everybody else just got a rough outline and presented like their operation order to the to the cadre and then they're like, all right, you guys can bed down. And we probably stayed up way too long making the best operation order imaginable. <laughs> thinking that they would be, you know, grading it like it's Ranger school. So it was like we've got a plan to use a poncho as a litter and like all this stuff. Um and I think yeah, I think we overestimated the the sh- how um, I guess critical the grading would be at times, sure. uh, but it's better to to overestimate Absolutely. than underestimate always. So yeah, there was a lot of that. We def we did a like room clearing and stuff because we we pretty much expected to do that. You know, now we're no longer competing as an individual. You have a team, and then you know your standard operating procedures like look go let them shine like your teamwork yeah. in a you know low visibility enclosed environment with a bunch of chaos going on yeah. so treating casualties like with a team stuff like that and then an obstacle course we did an obstacle course as a team that was that was something i don't think most people have done before um like you coming up with a plan to to scale an obstacle like are you going to send your shortest person over first or are you going to leave them behind and then like they're trying to to jump up and get their hands on top of a barrier to climb it and then we did the 82nd airborne stress shoot which was was very fun so that just a brief description of that it's like they'll have you memorize a puzzle before you start and then you'll do almost like a sprint drag carry style uh workout and then go to a barrier, shoot, do that same workout again, and then shoot again, do that same workout again, come back, and then rearrange the puzzle based off what they showed you before you started. So testing that, your ability to shoot you know, with your heart rate elevated when you're tired, and then also just your mental awareness a puzzle is something that you know i don't think i don't think most people got that on the first try the rearranging a puzzle after you after you're totally exhausted and mentally and physically but so that was kind of the uh the best squad competition well that's pretty cool and, uh, they were doing that type of stress shoot back when i was in the 82nd airborne division it was still the yeah. the, the paper targets yeah but I want to go back a couple of things about the best squad competition. So for the the National Guard squad, they they built your squad from the individual competitors at the at the best warrior competitions. What were some of the organizations that sent squads to this competition? So the Army Reserves they had a squad too, and they were they were composed similar to how we were, where they did an individual competition. And then at one of the higher levels, they started to to narrow it down and put together a team. You had Force Comm, so I believe the 101st Airborne was representing them. And we actually had a National Guard team get second place at the Force Comm level. Oh, wow. So they were on deployment 
and they uh I I can't remember what command team they competed against, but so they won and then they got to go compete in Forcecom and they got second place to the 101st Airborne. So there was almost two National Guard teams at the best squad competition and I believe the Forcecom Soldier of the Year was from the National Guard and the runner up NCO of the Year for Forcecom was from the National Guard also. That's fantastic. It was, that's yeah, fantastic. so yeah. pretty good bragging rights this year. So yeah, yeah. then uh, there was a Medcom, Cyber, uh, U.S. and Africa Command, uh, U.S. Pacific Command, uh, U.S. Special Operations Command. I feel like there's a few more I'm missing. Uh, I believe the Army's Futures Command, and they also had the, uh, the D.C. Command. Okay. So the old guard had a team. So the, the geographic combatant commands and the yep. and the functional yep. combatant commands, yeah. Yep. So I think that's that might be it. I'm sure there's some that I'm forgetting, but no. But that's 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 still pretty 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 impressive. To, well, and to be able to compete against our fellow soldiers and counterparts from all components and and other other parts of the army. Definitely. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, for us was like, oh. I don't think many of us, I haven't been on a deployment, but I know um, a few of the other team members have. So we haven't really spent a lot of time around the active duty army outside of TRADOC. So it's kind of like, oh, I wonder how different things are going to be. And it's not that much different. And we, you know, we kind of saw that it's like everybody's pretty similar mm-hmm. in the way things are done. So the National Guard is, you know, we're, we're all one and the same. And we're just as good as them. I mean, but we proved that in the competition. Total army, absolutely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So there was a <clears throat> yeah quite a bit of a train up prior to the best squad at the uh, uh, Warrior Training Center, right? Uh, how long were you there before you went to the best squad competition? Yeah, so we were there for four weeks. Four weeks. Right? Four weeks. So and yeah, the warning trade the Warrior Training Center has basically got every resource that you would you could imagine. So so they didn't just say, hey, you won the state competition, the regional, and here's the national, and good luck. You know, that's that actually put you down for yep. some pretty good training prior to the best squad. Yep. And I don't, and I think just like us, they didn't really know what to expect either. So they were kind of figuring it out as they go. And it was more, you know, like, what do you guys want? What do you think you need? Like, and we'll help you. We'll help you get that. So we spent a lot of time doing marksmanship. We didn't really think we got on a range twice at the best squad competition, but if we would have uh, done a, a little bit more marksmanship, like I think our skills would have would have really shined because, we, yeah, we did. We basically had a range just to ourselves, and they just were like, "How much ammo do you need? Like, you guys have this place for the next twelve hours. Like, That's go awesome. nuts. Like, whatever you want to practice." To be, we got. There was a lot of really cool opportunities at the Warrior Training Center. I think that was one of the highlights of the opportunity was just the, the people you get to meet and the resources that you learn you have, especially once you make those like personal relationships. I mean, we got one-on-one time with the Army Marksmanship Unit. Um, what else did we get? There was there yeah there was just a bunch all the all the people at Warrior Training Center are super helpful and they love seeing like you know people from you know some new faces come down there and uh, kick some butt. Now uh, 
you mentioned the the road march at the, the, so the best squad competition. There was a road march to kind of kick off the competition. Was that the picture that I saw on social media from the National Guard? There was a it was a lot of us here back home here in Oregon shared this picture because there was a picture of you finishing the road march uh, first. Yeah. So that was the uh, that was a national that was the National Guard's uh, national, national level bus warrior. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was me, and then the Soldier of the Year, uh, Sergeant Faylis, finishing finishing together. Waving the Oregon flag. Yeah, waving the Oregon flag. Yeah. That was definitely a highlight of like the last year because it was, I mean, couldn't help but be happy. Like the week we had was crazy. The Tennessee National Guard they 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 turned up the heat for that competition and it was like, it was a pretty pretty amazing competition. Yeah, and just finishing you know holding your state's flag with everybody else like you know we did it. Yeah, yeah. I'll celebrate. But now you could have you could have won it outright, but uh, tell. Tell the story of that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, maybe, I'm not 100% sure, but, because, yeah, I definitely had, at some point, I had a pretty big lead in the ruck, um, and I was I was not expecting, like, in all honesty, I thought I, I had gotten first in, I think, every ruck, um, at every level of the competition, but we did our fitness assessment at the national one, and I was like, "This is gonna be a long week." I'm like these guys are impressive to say the least. So I kind of started that morning with the impression of, "Well, this is the last event. You know, I've got all the time in the world to recover from it. I might as well just go all out." Leave it out there. Yep. And I think another big thing throughout each competition that definitely showed in the best squad one was I just took care of myself. Um, throughout the whole competition so my like a lot of people they get to the the final event and their feet are chewed up they're cramping you know sleep deprived but i just would make sure i take care of myself like if there's downtime like i'm not taking a nap i'm stretching stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but so i think the first like four miles you know everybody starts fast but then everybody slowed down a little bit faster and i was like so now I can't see anyone behind me, but I don't know how close they are to me. So I'm like, well, I better just keep running because I'm assuming they're running too. Yeah. So I had me and Phelous, I think for the first half, were, you know, we were together. And then I think at some point I pulled away from them. And I mean, there would be some straight stretches where I could look back like a mile and I don't see anybody. And then I think I was going up a hill and I see him start coming around the corner and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, I just can't lose this guy. And uh, so I think the last three miles we did together, but so he was out of water. I still had, I think like a canteen or two um, of water. So, and then at that point, like, you know, if you don't have water, like it, it can catch up very fast. Mm-hmm. You know, eat, dehydration will take down the best athlete. The wheels will fall. Yeah. So I think he might have, you know, that start that was starting to happen. So I was giving him water, but I also at the same time, you know, you can't do it alone. It was kind of nice having somebody with me there for like the last bit. And I, and then that's, you know, we did slow down like the last two miles. I think we walked more than we ran, which wasn't the case for the rest of it. But I think we're like, I think both of us have a pretty big lead. I was like, you know, I, I was like, do you want to just cross the finish line together? They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, 
totally. Like, I, I think I think we got a mile and a half left. There is no sense in like racing to the bitter end. I'm like, we, you know, we made it this far together. And it's like, so I think that was pretty, That's pretty awesome. special. Thank you. It, it is. It is. Now, Sergeant Major, you and you told me a story about Sergeant Walls that I think um, kind of first got me th- thinking about this recently. So, I mean, you mentioned this too. There, there are a lot of great athletes out there. There are a ton of incredible soldiers who are very tactically and technically proficient at what they do, but but not everybody can can go about their business or, or lead or, or soldier or serve in a way that is so positive that it, it brings up the people around them, that their, their positivity is what makes an impression just as much as their other, their knowledge and, and other skills. Um, cause Sergeant Major, you said one of the things that kind of got back to you was that no matter how hard it got, no matter what kind of grinder they put all the competitors through, Sergeant Wells always had a smile on his face. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard that all the way through the state competition about you. And then, of course, I, I didn't get to come to the regional, but I heard the same thing. In fact, the state sergeant major of Wyoming called me and said, hey, that specialist wall what a what a stud that guy's going places and he's always smiling and uh, then of course i got to go to the nationals with you and yep same thing i saw it myself you know right in the middle of the competition everybody else is you know taking care of their feet and got a just a down look on their face and here i come across specialist walls a big smile on your face and like positive attitude that is amazing it was uh, it was really really neat to see so uh, where does that come from? Um, yeah, I don't know if it really came from anybody, but it just, yeah, that's just kind of how I always been. You know, if I'm in a less than enjoyable like situation, I always try to at least make it enjoyable for me. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to be doing the same thing no matter what, whether you have a positive attitude or a negative attitude. So it doesn't, your attitude's not going to change the situation. So you might as well like have a positive outlook on things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, if that makes it like 1% easier, it's better than having a negative outlook. Also, I think Matthew Frazier, who is like a multiple time CrossFit champion, yeah. I, I'd heard this a quote from him after all these competitions, but he said, a happy competitor is a dangerous competitor. I was like, yeah, that's me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I've never heard someone say that before, but I was like 100% that totally, totally is accurate. Yeah. So just also it's, you know, these competitions really aren't all about winning, you know, winning matters. But if the guy next to you is, you know, a horizontal engineer and he's never done call for fire before, you know, this is an opportunity for him to, to learn something. Yeah. So, you know, I would always bring like extra stuff just so you're like, Hey, I'm, this is an event. Like we're going to do like, you know, I have no, you know, it doesn't bother me. Like <laughs> if you do better than me, you know, here's, you know, you want some tips, like here's this. And then like everybody knows something that someone doesn't. So if you extend that generosity, you know, someone's going to give it back to you also. So there was a ton of stuff I learned from, from other competitors and a ton of stuff that they learned from me too. Like when we did the combative thing, you know, 
not many people like have like the hours like on a mat that other people do. So I would see stuff and like also something like that, like, you know, prevent injuries and whatnot. So I like pull people aside. I'm like, hey, like, you know, you're doing like too much. I know that sounds counterproductive, but you're not, you, what's going to happen is you're going to get tired and like, this guy doesn't have to do anything but show up and you're going to expend all your energy. I'm like, you know, get to a position before you like start looking for the submission. And if you get to that position and they can't escape, like eventually, you you know, the opportunity is going to present itself to win. But if you just like go for the throw every time, you know, you're going to exhaust yourself and you're never going to get it. Yeah, don't spaz. Exactly. So, yeah, just a, I mean, I was, I've always kind of been that way. I mean, even with like friends and like family, they'll all say the same thing. Like if they were ever in like a slightly inconvenient or stressful situation, like I just don't let it get to me. Uh, I think a lot of that just comes from putting myself in a stressful environment and not letting it get to me. You know, I've, I've got like a lot going on just between, you know, all the different things I'm involved in. And that'll just like take away from just being stressed just takes away from your like effectiveness. And so just like time management, discipline, just, you know, realizing that a good attitude just makes all those things that much easier. If you can just like get up every day and like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, is this, you know, am I, am I going to survive? Yeah. Then <laughs> how bad is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. you know. It's not that bad. Yeah, you can always control your attitude. You can't. You can't. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you can't control anything that happens to you. You can only control how you react. So, I don't know about you, Chaplain, but I think we're talking to a future sergeant major right here. It could could be. <laughs> could could be. We'll keep keep doing what you're doing, Sergeant Walls. So now, if you. So yesterday, Command Sergeant Major Smith, oh, uh, not by, not yesterday by the time people are listening to this, but Command Sergeant Major Smith and I got to, to meet the newest soldiers in the Oregon Army National Guard. If you had a chance to talk to some brand new soldiers straight out of basic training in AIT, uh, what, what would you tell them? Um, definitely make the most out of it. You know, Don't think of it as just one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. There's so many opportunities um, to go, to go the extra mile and uh, do cool stuff. You know, volunteer, sign up for stuff. Especially when you're in basic training in AIT, there's a lot of opportunities um, to to really set yourself apart. You know, if you if you've enlisted uh, and you're waiting to go to basic, like you know, get some practice, like shooting marksmanship, like the. There's a lot of like getting top shot in basic training is something you'll never forget, you know. <laughs> and no one who was at basic training will also forget who right. got it either. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's those opportunities. Make the most of it. You know, meet everybody you can. Just be a positive influence because you never know who you're gonna run into later on down the line. Also, I mean, a lot of the people from like these competitions, I I know I'm gonna see again. So, you know, make sure everybody you come across that you have a good relationship, that they have something good to say about you. Like never, yeah. you know, just make the most of it. There's so much out there, you know, don't let anyone tell you no. You know, there's always, there's always uh, something more you can do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's just like my biggest piece of advice because I definitely did not know that when I was like getting in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just did not know what was possible. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot. There's... Especially just the the job opportunities, um, 
you know, I didn't really join the guard looking for a civilian career, but one of the guys on the best squad team, I mean, if I was like, would I mean, I'm very satisfied where I'm at right now, but he just turned 20, but he got out of the National Guard. He went in to be a carpenter and then that counted as his apprenticeship. And he became, so he's a carpenter in the guard and he's a union carpenter at 19, you know, making way more money than I was at 19. So just those opportunities, you know, just know who to talk to, to find that sort of stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even then like the AGR jobs, there's there's so many cool opportunities in the guard. And it's, I think the interesting thing about the guard versus the big army is you're a little bit more like hands-on with your community, like helping your state and stuff like that. So, you know, just like, I mean, even stuff just like the Veterans Day Parade. You'll never, just doing the Veterans Day Parade, like helping out and hanging out there. Like, yeah, it's so much, you'll meet so many cool people and do all the stuff like do the tag match, do like any competition, you know, do the shooting competitions, do the best warrior, you know, get your name out there. Just, you know, let people be known that you're motivated. Great advice. It, it is. It is. Maybe you need to send him over the next battle hand handoff <laughs> ceremony. Guest yeah. speaker right here. I, I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Now we, we've been talking for a while, but I, I do want to. Before we let you go, I want to. I want to kind of hear a little bit about um, what you do on the civilian side, because I'm a firm believer that if you're if you're good at what you do in the military, in, in the National Guard or the reserves, you're probably good at what you do on the civilian side too, or or, vi- or vice versa, right? If you know if you're if you're diligent and disciplined and apply yourself in the civilian world, that kind of stuff's going to make you a better a better soldier too. So you, you, we've we talked about or mentioned this already, but you're a small business owner. Yeah. Um, tell us or tell our listeners what you do on the civilian side. Yeah, definitely. So I. Have- have I do cabinet installation so I basically I didn't like I said like you know there's a time in my life where I really didn't know like what I was gonna do I always knew I'd figure it out but I just didn't know like what I was gonna end up figuring out so I didn't really have anything I was super passionate about till I started like hanging out in the wood shop at my high school and then I was like okay this is something I like uh I just need to find a way to make money doing it so like graduated high school and immediately just started working in a cabinet shop and then learned what I needed to to do do it on my own. And then I came back from basic training in AIT and used the money I'd made there and my bonus to uh, cover those startup costs. And I had all the tools and everything from just doing woodworking and, and stuff as a hobby that basically was just able to hit the ground running. Um, I thought I wanted a cabinet shop for a long time. There's a lot of upfront startup costs with that, I mean, real estate machinery versus I have all my tools from doing this as a hobby. I just need a van. Um, so, but that was also like, I think pretty critical in just my success or like ability to not get unmotivated, like in the, in the guard, in the military, like going to basic training and AIT, like I already had that experience and like discipline, mm-hmm. um, because there's no one there to like hold you accountable. If you're like your own business owner, you know, yeah. like you've 
like you are like the leader and there's like not many people there's there's nobody above you so you've got to like hold yourself accountable no one's going to make you do it so you know when i'm in an environment like basic training where you know i don't have a choice it's really easy because like <laughs> i've always had the choice to quit like now i don't like oh this is really easy then um but i mean you even see a lot of people who or, you know, had a long career in the military, they get out and they're successful in the business side of things. Um, I don't know if every successful business owner could be successful in the military, but I think most people successful in the military could be a successful business owner. Just yeah, going back to, I mean, it's time management, discipline, um, the relationships, especially, like I said, you know, make sure everybody has like something positive to say about you. It goes the same thing. Like if you're working in someone's house, you know, if someone doesn't, you know, if they if they don't feel comfortable with you, like in their home or they leave with like a bad experience, you know, people are going to like, no. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff crossed over. Uh, it was definitely there was a there was some challenges this year just because all these competitions and stuff like that were like I didn't really know like how, you know, intense this thing was going to get. But just similar like to have an effective unit in the military like the dissemination of leadership so that's kind of how i operated my business and you know it worked out it's, i was my busiest months were when i was gone so oh, yeah. i mean that's just like having a you know people that like i don't even like consider like my employees my employees like they're people i work with because you know they need i need them just as much as they need me i probably need them more than they need me and trust. like yeah trust like i i'm just there if there's something like you know i'm more like the the expert on the subject matter but they're the ones like you know and that's kind of how like you know ncos operate in the military so that's you know going back to like they could be successful in like the business space but yeah just the the trust the expectations and the respect is huge you know because mm -hmm. no one's going to care about your stuff more than you so don't expect anything to do don't expect anyone to do something for you so yeah, just that the dissemination of leadership, trust, respect, and yeah, I was able to to stay successful. In my, the first year of business is the hardest, and I was absent for probably half of it. <laughs> so, and you know, we yeah, we we made it through and we, we thrived. So my busiest months were when I was gone, and just because I had a, a team behind me that that cared and you know mutual respect and you know take care of them like whatever they need like i'll you know i'll get it for you yeah. and just like that sort of that's awesome generosity yeah good for you that's that's um, that's impressive for being yeah. a young man yeah mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so what's next in your army career yeah so january i'll be going to mountain school there's a it's pretty fun you know going through the national best warrior competition where it was so challenging and sure, everyone's competing against each other, but it was it was a team competition. At the end of the day, it felt like you know those relationships we built. You know, the, all the schools and stuff I'm going to in the future, I'm going with those guys. You know, just because yeah, they have the same opportunities that I do. So you know, going building those relationships just even more. So I'll be going to the mountain school with two members from the best squad competition, and then. Three of the other members from the best squad competition will be going to Ranger School together also. So Mount School is in January, Ranger School in August, BLC in between then, and then just, you know, 
take doing doing what I got to do at the unit. I you know going to Camp Roberts and doing some fire support. That's yeah. that's the fun stuff. But yeah, yeah so then yes, I mean sky's the limit. Honestly, so yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds. Well, fantastic. Well, keep keep grinding and keep keep smiling. <laughs> we'll do. Sorry, Major, you got more any other questions? No, I think uh, it's fantastic. I think uh, two of the things that you've been talking about that uh, resonate with me, which I I found myself over the last few years really trying to uh, educate folks of like the two things that are pretty critical for your career is. One, just be knowledgeable at your job and build those relationships. And you you hit on those today. And so being such a young soldier um, and recognizing that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is, that's absolutely brilliant. So good job. Keep up, keep doing what you're doing, man. And you'll have a long, very successful career. So thank you for, thank you for this opportunity, Chaplain. Thank you, Sergeant Walls, for being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so last question, since we've been talking about competition, uh, was that mustache part of a, a Movember competition, <laughs> and how did you do there? Uh, no, so I had it at the state one. I shaved it for regionals for some reason, and then there's, I guess there's a funny story behind, like, all the hair. Um, <laughs> this was definitely was one of say, my— I hope you raised some money for charity with that. Yeah, so this, so this was uh, <laughs> probably one of my favorite memories from the competition, but so— yeah, so I had the mustache pretty much for all of them except regionals. I saw that on the, yeah. when you had your winning picture taken at regional. I was like, he shaved his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the best squad competition, we had to have our command photos taken, and we thought it would be so funny if we got our command photos taken, and then the next day everybody just go bald. So we went to the barber, straight razor shaves and everything, and uh, showed up to the best squad competition, and the whole team was bald. And people thought it was – they thought it was the funniest thing. And it really paid off. It really, really was worth it because we did a board in front of the Army uh, command teams, all the different command teams, their sergeant majors and the sergeant major of the Army. And a good memory was the Tradoc sergeant major looking at his phone looking at my command photo, looking at me, looking at it back again, looking at me going, what happened to all the hair? Because <laughs> I had I had like long hair parted over, mustache and everything, and I'm sitting in front of him with not a speck of hair on my face. <laughs> so now I'm trying to grow it back a little bit before I lose it again in ranger school. So enjoying it while I can. People are stressed when you go to a board, but what was it like knocking on the door for the board, knowing that the that's that the sergeant major of the army is <laughs> sitting at the table? Yeah, well, and it wasn't like any board we'd done in the past. We did it as a team. So, yeah, I think it could have gone better, but I don't – what, you know, how were we supposed to know? Like, we'd never done a, a board as a as a team before, and boards are already enough. Like, that's most people's least favorite event. I don't really get, like, nervous for that sort of stuff because I understand that, like, you know, you're not supposed to know everything. Like, it's a more of a test of your composure and how much you do know, how well you studied. So, and then having – eight sergeant majors on the board at the highest level with five people to ask questions, you know, you, there's no way of knowing what you're going to get. So yeah, that was definitely 
I think I think a lot of people were more stressed than me. I was more just not stressed because I understood the assignment and that it was more of just a challenge of, you know, who's going to get lucky today and, <laughs> and have a good time. So there you go. Always smiling. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's one thing uh, I'd, I'd take away from this and I'd hope others would too, that uh, no matter what you're doing, try to find ways to have a good time and you, you can't change the circumstances, but you can absolutely uh, you absolutely have charge of your attitude and, and what you give to others throughout the competition. Cause you mentioned relationships and, and people and, and making those connections throughout. So I think that's uh, super important for any, for anybody to learn. And that's, that will make you successful in life and in the military, uh, in wherever, wherever you go. So thank, thanks so much for spending time with us today, Sergeant Walls. God, God bless you and, and your family and, and your fellow soldiers and, and service members. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chaplain. Thank you, Sergeant Major, for being here. This this is awesome. Yeah, well, we'll see you again. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Take care. This podcast is produced by the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office. My prayer for you is that wherever you find yourself, that you might find hope for today and strength for the ambiguity and chaos of life. Blessings on the rest of your day.